0: Glad you're here this morning. Hope that you've enjoyed the service thus far. If you're visiting, I want to reiterate what Kelly said. We're glad you're here. We realize there's a thousand other places, other churches you could be today, and you've chose to be with us, and we don't take it for granted. We appreciate you being here. The faithfulness of the folks that attend this church and your giving and all that you do um, does not go unnoticed. So, We've been doing a series for the last six or eight weeks on the parables of Jesus. This morning's parable is titled Motive for Service. Um, it, in the Bible, it is the labors in a vineyard. Um, it's found in Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse one. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll uh, we'll read it in just a few minutes. But it actually begins the the reason for the parable that Jesus gives actually begins um, in chapter 19, verse 27. The inquisitive Peter, as he was, and. <laughs> was always questioning and quick to act, quick to think. And uh, he he asked Jesus a question um, about service. And he said to him, he said, See, Jesus, we have left all and followed you. I don't think very many of us have that testimony. (laughs) We have left all and followed you. Uh-uh. Peter gets it, catches a lot of flack for a whole lot about his attitude, about the way he done things. He's quick to pull his sword out and cut somebody's ear off. and He's all the time in trouble. He denied the Lord three times and he catches a lot of flack. But I don't know very many people can say, Lord, we've left all And followed you. Therefore, he asked, what shall we have? (laughs) Many people, preachers, as a result, will tell you the parable of the laborers in the vineyard is about heaven. However, if you look closely... I think Jesus detected in Peter's question the possibility of a wrong motive for service. A wrong motive for service. In fact, in, in 19, chapter 19 and verse 30, before he, the parable, Jesus states back to Peter and, and the disciples and many others that was there that day, he, he he answers them and says, "But many who are first shall be last, and the last shall be first substantiating that service is a not it, it, it's not something that we want to be up front and boasting about all the time and the reply given by Jesus after that question in verse 27. He, he goes through a, some things there. And we, then we have this marvelous parable. Where Jesus promises wonderful rewards prior to the parable. He, he talks about sharing thrones. Uh, things sacrificed will be returned a hundredfold, And they really... We're not making sacrifices. They were making investments. And I'm telling you, if you're involved in the Lord's work, you're giving of your time, your talent, your treasure, and you look at it as you're giving sacrifices, man, change your way of thinking because you're not giving a big sacrifice, you're investing in the real future and and that's what the reply that that is given and let's read it it's it's very lengthy there are 16 verses but you have to read the whole parable to to get the gist of it we'll begin with first one the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard And now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them. A denarius was about a penny. A denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard to work. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go to the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Notice. The, the, the case scenario changed a little bit. The first people that he went to, they agreed. They had a contract. You're going to make a penny a day. Now he's telling the next group, three hours later, I'll make it whatever's right to you. And so on he goes through. And so they you also go to the vineyard and whatever is right I will give to you. So they went. And again he went out the sixth. And the ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle, and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. And so when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were, who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, am I doing you no wrong? Hmm. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called and few are chosen. I would need to think that each of us would probably respond the same way as these people. And I hear often, in fact I, I've heard it in the, last, in the last few days. You know, there's people being hired in after me making more money than I am. But what did you agree to? and that's that's our that's what we think and it is interesting to note some who were first in their own eyes would be last in this judgment of what they were going to be paid this is just an an amplified version by the parable and, and as I said before, this parable has nothing to do with salvation. This is not, we're all going to receive heaven no matter when, go to heaven, no matter when we were saved, first, last, or whatever. And, and you say, well, how do you know that? Well, because first of all, penny a day wages does not represent salvation. And second, and, and the one that verifies it, nobody works for salvation. It's a free gift. It's it's God's grace. He gives it to you freely, and and it was paid for by the death of His Son on the cross. And so, so you know, we we are all uh, the third thing. We are all not going to receive the same rewards. You say, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? First Corinthians three eight, and I believe it's the the latter part of that verse and it says, and each one, each one of us will receive his own reward, what? According to his own labor. So we're we're all not gonna receive the same rewards when we get to heaven. Motive is going to weigh into it. What you've done is going to weigh into it. So one rightly asks, well what is this the the message of this parable? Many people were hired um, many different hours worked from, from 12 to, to 1, and it, it, you know, all received the same wage, And but I believe what the parable is really emphasizing goes back to Peter's question, the basis of what Peter was really asking, and that is the right attitude in our service. The right attitude in our service. There were two kinds of workers hired. Those who wanted a contract and agreed to work for a penny a day. And those who had no contract and agreed to take whatever the owner thought was right. All laborers had different circumstances of, uh, concerning the, the time uh, that they worked and even what they could have or could not have been paid. And so when you look at it from from that perspective, this somewhat explains why he paid the laborers as he did. Um, (coughs) He wanted those who were hired first to see how he paid um, who were hired later. And... It was a, a way that the owner could show to these individuals how generous he really was and and it it also shows us as you know we we can draw the parallel and everybody does not saying that it's correct, but it shows us those saved late in life who have not the same opportunity to serve as much as others but What everyone receives will be fair in God's eyes. And so the lesson is obvious to those disciples who also, and and also to us, um, we should not be serving Jesus because we want to receive um, some expected reward. And we should not be insisting on knowing what we will get. I want a bigger mansion than John Gina does. I, I think a lot of people have that attitude in in being involved in Christian service. Well, I, I do so much more. Um, <laughs> it's about your love. I've been in and around um, Chesapeake Little League ever since my my kids in their forties now. Chad is, and ever since the for years um and and there's a constant all the time i've been in and out of that little league system down there and and i i know some of our people that you know a lot of people now that's on the board and i if you live close you heard the fireworks last night and and all that was going on but i've watched you know most of us get involved in in service of of for a purpose. Well my kid's there, I, I'm I'm guilty. I'll I'll be involved. I, I really wasn't because I was traveling, my job I traveled. But I was there for their games, the ones I could be. But most people get involved when well, my kids are there, and when my kids is gone, then I'm gone. I'm in and out, in and out, in and out. I've watched Greg Huff be in and there consistently and I'm I'm not just bragging on Greg Huff, but he's always there. He's always coached a team. He's always been involved. Why? For the love of what he does. He serves. He enjoys mentoring kids to play baseball. Do you serve the Lord because you enjoy what you're doing out of love for other people and love for the Lord? That's, that's, That's... what is obvious here? The lesson to, to those there, it's not about what my reward is going to be. It's not about being involved in the things that we do because of what reward we are going to receive. God is infinitely, and get this point, generous and gracious and will always give you better than you deserve. If you don't hear anything else this morning, you realize God is a gracious God and he will always give you better than you deserve. If we got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell. God is going to be generous and gracious to us. And there is this undertone here that we will get something more than we really deserve. And, and Jesus just rebuts that with this parable. These people thought, well, I've been here longer than they've been here. And, so, and, and we have that in church world. Exact same philosophy. I've been here for a hundred years. So, I have more rights, I have more opportunity, I'm doing yada, 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 and and we talk. That's not the way that God looks at our service. That's not the way that God desires for us to think. We're on equal footing. We serve for one motive, because we love the Lord. And we serve for one motive because we're here to build the kingdom. That's it. But but what everyone, we must understand what we deserve and what is going to be not what it's about. We're going to receive graciously because God's going to give us more than we deserve. Wow. I also think that we can see it as possible to be doing the Father's work and, and not um, necessarily uh, be doing His will from the heart. We can get caught up if we're not careful in the business of serving God and forget what the, what the real motive is about. We serve, you know, I, I, I'm involved because this is what I do. No, you're involved because you love the Lord in order to build the kingdom. Um, you're involved because we are about building a kingdom. Especially, especially when we think of it from a motive that it is all about the reward. It's not about the reward. We've already been rewarded with justification by grace through faith when we trusted Christ. That's the ultimate reward. We are going to heaven to live a life with God someday. And, and we can get all worked up about the state of the way our country is and all this stuff. That doesn't change what your reward is. That just changes the state we're living in now. And are we still serving by faith, knowing that God has not changed? God's no different today than he was a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. We're we're to be a kingdom-minded person building the kingdom. We can get so involved in, in, in our surroundings and our politics and our, our way of thinking and just our lives and forget that we're here as Christian people to love God and build the kingdom. It, it is also noted in scripture that if we are serving to hear the accolades of others, we've already received our reward. I did such a, I, I need to be recognized really then you 'll get your reward then the accolades of others there, there's such a danger in church world from the top down that that pride sets in 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 our service and and that 's how we have to be careful how we judge success and and how How we judge failure, even. I I, I read this week that uh, I believe it was Einstein that said, "I worked my way through failures to success." You know, uh, in our service and in the things that we do, what do we look at it as as success? I'm a numbers guy. Uh, and to be honest with you, I learned that from the Billy Graham Ministry. Bill, I, I heard Franklin Graham one time say, "We take attendance if we're meeting for coffee." You say, "Well, how 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 stupid is that?" Well, I don't know how stupid it is because the Bible has a book that it calls Numbers. Amen. You know, and and however large or small the numbers, though. They do not necessarily um, show success or failure, but they are a barometer by what you look at things. I mean, did you, do you realize? And, and, and I, yeah, you know, I've, I've switched gear. Do you realize the majority, the majority of churches in the United States run less or around two hundred in Sunday school, or under two hundred. And yet we think that the megachurches are more successful. It's, it's, you have to look at things in reality. And pride, conf, you know, you can be overconfident. And, and, and remember that pride comes before a fall. So uh, we also have to beware of watching others and measuring our success or failure by them. I mean, we, we can get to the place that, well, I'm a better Christian because so-so-and-so, because I do such-and-so, and you've been saved a hundred years. I, I can tell you, it's, it's just, to some people, it's just astronomical, and they're, they're, they're here on Sunday morning. And yet, that's not the standard by which all of us should be judging ourselves by. But these people in this parable, if, if you look at it, you know, God doesn't look at us all the same. But he's a generous and giving God is the example that he's showing us here. And, you know, uh, uh, we all have different yardsticks when it comes to our service. We all have different yardsticks when it comes by how we're doing in our Christian walk. My yardstick is always has, always will be on on the number of salvation decisions that we see in this church every year. I, I, I'm, I'm just that evangelistic minded that, that that's what I, I get concerned when nobody's getting saved. Because I know churches that they'll go for a hundred years and never have anybody saved. Mark Graham, who's probably in a class, was telling me this morning that he he read a story of, of a cathedral. This multi-million-dollar dollar cathedral, and they were touring it, and there was a group of people that was touring it or something, and and the the guy that was giving the tour noticed that one little old lady wasn't very impressed of the marble and all the 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 you know the intricate detail of the expense, fifth largest in the world. And this one guy said, honey, you don't seem to be very excited. And this little lady looked at him and said, how many people were saved here this year? <laughs> and he said, this is, this is not a chapel. This is a cathedral. In other words, it's all about the show. Are we all about the show? I'm not about the show. I want to know how many people are saved, I, I my, the, you know, Wow, I mean, I, I'm 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 about numbers, and and however large or small, but my yardstick's going to be how many decisions were made this year. My yardstick's going to be how many people that got saved did we get in a baptistry that acknowledged their profession of faith? How many people joined this church once they got baptized or that visited? The it, it's. I'm just a numbers person. And, and why? You say, well, why, what's so important about numbers? I, I've told you a hundred times. Because every number has a face. Every face has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to us. But more importantly, your story matters to God. So we serve to build the kingdom. And, and why? Because that's why we're here. Yeah, we have all these other responsibilities. You have all the, 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 everything about life that, that muddies the water for us and, and that we have to do to make a living and, and work. And, and I can go on and on and on. But when it comes right down to where the rubber meets the road... What are you doing with your time, your talent, and your treasure to build the kingdom of God? What's your main motive for serving God? Is it to draw attention to self? Is it about the reward? Is it because of pride? If that is it, then you need to think about your way of thinking because it's about building the kingdom it's about rescuing the perishing care for the dying it's about leading your lost friends to Christ you don't see very many tears anymore about people uh, when 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 someone passes and they don't know what their eternal destination was. I, I, I told a story last week here about someone over a tank of acetylene that, that we had words and a fallen out. Went almost two years and didn't speak. I'm not talking about an acquaintance, I'm talking about one of my best friends. I never remember a time in life. That they weren't part of my life. Never. They grew. We grew up right across the street from each other. I buried him this week. When we think about lost. Forgiveness. All the things that really matter. What's important to you in your service? What's important to you in life? What's important to you in forgiving others in the things that you do, that you need to do, when God speaks to you? That's what Jesus is getting at with the basis of this whole thing, is your motive and what you do in life. Is it about loving God and building the kingdom? Or is that just something you do for 30 or 40 minutes or... An hour and five minutes. (laughs) I'll quit in a little bit. I always said I wanted to preach a 25-minute sermon. I've never done it, but I've tried. (laughs) What's your motive? That's what Christ is getting at here. The last thing I see here is this. and, And there's just something about those that were first in this story. I think Christian people can be guilty. The very nature of these people is they did not rejoice that others received a reward. They did not rejoice. Instead, they were jealous. They were complaining. They were critical. The goodness of the owner did not lead them to repentance. It revealed the true character of their hearts. Wow. They were selfish. I believe we've seen in our country a mercenary spirit, an envious spirit, one of ingratitude, commercialization of the church in the last few years. That it's, it, it's just inundated Christianity in our churches and, and it proves to us, <laughs> this parable does, that is that really what God's about? Or is he about loving and caring and generosity and graciousness and kind? Not willing that any should perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. Preachers are the world's worst. It, it's pitiful. Well, I had twenty more than you did in Sunday. Who cares? I want to know how many you had saved. Amen. Huh. Whenever we find ungrateful, selfish, complaining servants. We know one thing and don't even have to judge them. They're just, not, they're, they're just not living out the fruit of the Spirit. And you can see that they're not yielded to the Spirit of God. And they're definitely not yielded to the Master's will. We should in fact always be encouraged by the graciousness. Of a loving God. So why not live out the rest of your life. Of my life. Grateful. Service. To a God that cares. Yeah. Our first thoughts are just like theirs. I worked 12 hours. And they got as much as I did for an hour. Sometimes God's thinking is just upside down to our thinking. Sometimes God's way of things is different. Love those that hate you. Be good to those that despise you. Why? Why is that? Why is His way different? First of all, he doesn't have a sinful nature, and we do. That's obvious. I mean, that doesn't take rocket science to figure that out. But it's because God's motive is always, always to love you. And that's what he wants for us. And all that we are to be about should be kingdom-minded. If there's someone that's lost in your life, how are you praying for them? What are you doing to try to encourage them to come to a saving knowledge of Christ? Pray for them that despitefully use you. Upside-down thinking, isn't it? This was upside-down thinking. From our way of thinking. And yet God was just proving the goodness. Of his character. Let's think.